0: As I mentioned we want to spend some devoted time in prayer this morning and uh, in a sense my task is just to prompt you towards that and give you some thoughts about how to pray for each other but also just some of the themes that we want to be praying about as a church family over the next several months because as I said we are finding ourselves in a new season we find ourselves in a process we're looking for new leadership someone to in a sense guide us as a lead pastor We're also in times of considering who we are as a people as we go through some of these transitions. And so to help us in that, I want to take us to one of the prayers of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to read it for us, but I encourage you, feel free to look this up in your Bibles, however you have, either your Bibles physically here or virtually on your cell phones or however you look up Scripture, because I'm not going to put all of the Scripture up on the screen today. I'm just going to put up some highlighted uh, phrases so that as we come into prayer in a few minutes that you'll have some of those uh, key phrases just to think about as we begin to pray together. And so, as we do this, I just want to begin with prayer that God would continue to unite our hearts together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that as we gather and worship before you, that it is indeed a great privilege to be called your children, to gather together as one people before you and anticipate your heart and voice speaking to us. We thank you for that last song to, to know you're able, God, that you are the one who is. Uh, watching over us and never fails us. And we want to cement those kind of promises in our heart and our minds, that over the next season, that as we pray together, that there's great anticipation for what you're going to do among us. And so guide us and direct us here this morning. Would you anoint your word and prompt us for uh, praying together? Father, would you help uh, those that, you know, we get intimidated having to talk and to pray to you or (laughs) kind of do it in front of others. I just pray that we would feel at home with you and with each other here this morning so we can spend this time in fellowship, spend this time in hearing your voice together. And so I thank you for all this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul has just completed a rehearsal, in a sense, of what it means to be a child of God, to be saved, to be brought into God's family, to be indwelt with God's Spirit, to be chosen in Him and having Him as a guarantee in our hearts and our lives. And he begins this prayer by saying, for this reason, for the reasons that he's just been outlying of his... He is so convinced of who this church is in the presence of God, who this church is because they belong to Him that it prompts him to pray for them in this way. So he says, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul's heard about their faith and their love. Faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for all of God's people. Stories are going around. He says, I've heard about it, right? So somehow their life, their testimony is being shared in such a way that Paul, even though he's separated from them from a distance at this point, is able to say, I've heard the stories. I'm hearing great things. I hear that you have a faith in Jesus Christ, I hear that your lives are demonstrating that there is deeply rooted within you a trust in what Jesus or what well yeah what Jesus has accomplished but who Jesus is for you and you are bearing testimony to that. I hear that you love each other. How are stories like that shared? Well, it means that there's been some kind of caring going on. There's some kind of demonstration of a love between people that others are able to see. It's not just a silent thing, it's a very visible thing. Stories are being shared. And as I read that, I have to stop and just help us and prompt us in our hearts as we think about who we are. And I used to ask, what are the stories that get told about James North? How do people tell stories about who we are? How are you telling stories about James North? Is it about the faith that we have in Jesus Christ? Is it what Jesus is doing? How Jesus is on display and how the confidence of who he is as our Lord and as our Savior, as the sovereign king of all things, is that on display for others to hear and see? Twice this week as I was reading this passage and thinking about it, I was in conversations just with some people that were coming through the building. As they were walking around the building, the comment was, you know, just you guys have done an incredible thing here. And in that moment, I thought, no, we haven't done anything. God has done this. You know, Jesus has done an amazing thing that he's allowed us to take part in. And I was able to just stop for a moment and just say, no, this is what's really happened. You know, Jesus led us into this. And it's because we're followers of him. That we have this incredible facility that has become in the north end a little bit of a landmark. People understand and and see what has grown and built here from this little church that used to be over on Houston Street. We need to remember to put the right words behind that story. You know, there's a faith in Jesus Christ. There's a love that we have for this neighborhood that he has birthed within us. That we are able to share this with our neighborhood in a variety of different ways and with each other. That the care that we can demonstrate for each other. So how do you tell stories as a church? How are you telling your own personal story? Are you able, as you are sharing about what your life is, 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 is your faith in a dynamic way that you're able to demonstrate and to share with others in your school, at work, in your neighborhood, how Jesus is shaping your life? How a relationship with Jesus shapes how you think and how you see the world. That relationship with Jesus shapes in some ways how you respond to the pressures and the stresses of this world. That it shapes how you care about what's going on around you. How do you recognize when God's grace is showing up and, and sh- sharing those things? You know, the love that we have for each other. What are the stories that are going around? Every week, like we did this week, there's this mass exodus of kids and leaders that leave, right? And they all head downstairs and something's happening down there. Most of you don't know what that is (laughs) because you're up here, right? But I was blessed recently to hear someone's comment about how much our leaders love these kids. So I was just commenting to one of our teachers And just said what a joy it was to bring their child downstairs to people that they knew loved them. Why do we love these kids? Why are we doing what we're doing? It's because we have a love for Jesus that we want to see on display for them. And I'd say it gets repeated over and over again through the week through some of our ministries. Junior high, senior high. You know, as all the kids from our church and the neighborhood gather. There's a demonstration of our love for them. Coffee's on. People come in and they take our food. As Derek was talking about Cobb's Bread this morning, I thought, I wonder how many of you actually knew what that was about? (laughs) Cobb's Bread donates food for us every week that we share then on Friday mornings. We're able to give and people arrive here. We We have probably 40 to 60 people on a Friday morning come. They come and they share in food and in fellowship and in the sharing of the gospel with them. Why is all this taking place? It's because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our love that we have for the saints and the love that God grants us to give to each other. And so we give thanks for the faith and the love that's on display. But Paul, even as he prays or he gives thanks and has not stopped giving thanks for them, he says, and I remember you in my prayers. Because he recognized that that faith and that love is such a fragile thing. That it can be so quickly beaten down within us. And so he prays for them. And this is how we want to pray for each other this morning. You know, look at, look at how Paul prays. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father He goes on to describe that great power. I'm just going to read it. It's not up on the screen. But he describes the power this way. What He's he's praying for this power in us. The power that is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That is some power. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that for you. He's praying for these folks, or he's already said, I'm hearing the stories of your faith and love, and I'm rejoicing and celebrating in it. But now I'm praying. I'm praying for this, continuing, outpouring of God's Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he ties that because there's things you need to know. There's things you need to be aware of in your lives if you are going to be able to continue on and grow in the way that God intends for you to grow. We've already looked at Ephesians 4. Remember a few weeks ago when we were looking at that, what is the growth that he wants to see? That we all grow into maturity. That we all understand who Christ is. And in this passage, if you look at it, there's four things he says he wants them to know. And this is what I'm going to be encouraging us. If nothing else this morning, pray this for us. Pray this for each other. The first thing he says is that I'm praying that you can know him better. That you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? To know him better. Better. who's the him jesus christ the glorious and the glorious father and that we'd understand the spirit at work within us he he ties the trinity all into this this one prayer and he says my cry is that you would know him better because you see he knows we're all immature children (laughs) he spells that out in ephesians 4 he says that we are immature children growing to mature maturity. And if we're going to grow to that maturity, and we're going to grow in our understanding of what Jesus is, we need to know him better. We need to grow up in him. I think he's crying out that we would have a deeper walk with God in a, in a purity and in a freedom. That we would understand what it is for the Spirit to be working within us to help us overcome our sin. To help us be a people who understand what repentance is. To help us to be a people who know and recognize when the enemy might have some kind of bondage that he's bringing into your life. That he might be able to recognize that there is inner healing from woundedness that we need that comes through Jesus. That we might understand that we are in a battle and how we might use the resources that he gives us to be overcomers in that battle. We need to know him better. And then he says, and we need to know hope. We need to know the hope to which he has called you. What's the hope that he's called you to? Is it just heaven? I think it's way more than that. You know, sometimes Christians just, they get labeled with, all you're doing is waiting for heaven. I hope you've got way more than that. if all you're doing is waiting for your life to end before you understand the blessing of God in your life, then you're missing the point. When Paul says, I'm praying that you would know the hope to which he has called you, it's the hope of the gospel in your life. It is the hope of eternal life, but do you realize eternal life began the moment that Jesus entered into your life? In John 17, he defines eternal life as this, to know the one, to to know the Father and the one whom he has sent, that's eternal life. So as Paul says, to know the hope to which he has called you, saying that you would know the gospel, that you would know his purpose in your life, that you would understand what it is to be called as gospel ambassadors. This is what he's called you to. He has called you to join him in the great purpose that, that he has for this world to be brought into an eternal relationship with himself. This is our hope that we walk with him. And he says, I pray that in the spirit of wisdom and revelation that that hope would penetrate your life and and the purpose that you have in Christ would become known. And you'd be able to carry it out because there's a purity and there's a faithfulness and there's a a release from sin that is a part of you. And if that's going to happen, we also need to know the riches of our inheritance. Do you see that? He says, I pray that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What's our inheritance? I think very simply, it's him. He is our inheritance. You know, to understand that we are in Christ and all the riches of him are ours. Back in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's your inheritance. Your inheritance with all the saints is everything that Christ can pile on you. And he's saying, I'm praying that you would know the riches that are yours, I'm praying that you would know God's eternal presence. And that in in that knowing that you would be rich in worship together, that you would be rich in that relationship of walking with him day by day. And then he finishes by saying, and I pray that you would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. What's the power? He describes that power. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. He's he's talking about, you know, in some ways, a physical sense that you have a strength, that you have a grace about you that's going to help you be carried through anything that life brings. I think there's also an authority that goes along with that. There's a power of authority that we have in Jesus' name. And in that power, it's the the authority and the gifting and the serving for ministry that we have. That God is saying, I am equipping you to do everything that I desire to be done in this world that the world might know who I am and be brought to an understanding of what it is to be walking as as a people together with me in this world. Oh, that we could lay hold of that understand the power that is ours what paul's saying i'm praying that for you i am praying that you're going to know this in your lives and oh church we need to know that power we need to understand that the spirit at work within us grants us by his gifting the various gifting that he blesses us with as a people that we can serve each other that we can accomplish his purposes That we can become, as Ephesians 4 says, that we become the body of Christ built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What a glorious picture he's painting. Glorious picture of what the church is intended to become and be, but he says it will get there by prayer. I just, I so appreciated, Pete, you commenting that, you know, this new, you know, a new understanding of how we talk about Jesus, it's by prayer. It starts there because what we're really doing is just introducing people to Jesus. It's not all the other stuff. Jesus is at the heart of it. If we're going to introduce people to Jesus, he has to be the central part of our stories. If he's going to be the central part of our stories, I need to be prayed for that I would know Him better, that I would know the hope that He grants me, that I would know the riches that are mine, and that I would be filled with a power, a power, an incomparably great power that could be mine because of the Spirit of God at work within us. And so as we are entering a new season of life as a church, We want to spend some time and pray for each other as the body of Christ. To pray for each other to know these things among us. To continue in God's blessing, to grow deeper into knowing Him, His hope, as riches, as His power. And so over the next few minutes, I'm just going to encourage you to pray. To take some of these prayer items, if, if you kind of are at a loss for words, just pray some of those sentences. Think about some people that surround you in this body. Think about this body in general and just pray that God would bless us in these ways. I'm going to encourage you to do this in some small groups, just with you know two or three people that surround you. It can be awkward because you might not know who's sitting close to you, and if you feel awkward that way, it's okay not to to do that. But I'm encouraging you to pray out loud so that we have that sense that we hear our voices together crying out to God, that he is going to build us as a church, first with a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we might know all these things among us. And so, take a few minutes. After we pray for a few minutes, Andrew's going to come up and kind of close this time of prayer off. And then we'll sing uh, as we prepare to come to communion as well. So, just turn to some people. Begin to pray. Pray out loud so we can hear each other. If you're uncomfortable with doing that, feel free to just kind of stay where you are. If you need to move a couple of chairs not physically move the chairs, if you need to move a couple of chairs over to get closer to someone, feel free to do that as well, alright, so let's, let's just pray together, for those that are watching on live stream, I know this doesn't make good live stream stuff, but pray at home, join us in this way.